0: Welcome to What I Hate About My Lawyer, the salt pod series discussing the relationship between in-house and external counsel from the view of in-house experts and really getting into what they would like to see more of in the context of our local industry. Today we're joined by Jared Lassar, Head of Legal at Root. Jared, Welcome.
1: Thanks, Jared. It's,
0: yeah. it's lovely to be here, man. Thanks for, for having me on the podcast. I was going to say there might be a glitch in the matrix because we two Jareds <laughs> now, two beards in the same room. We're busy recording a podcast <laughs> together. So yeah, it's a bit of divine intervention on that. How's things though?
1: Things are good. Things are good. Um, we we're very lucky. Wednesdays are no meeting. Wednesdays. Ah, so nice. I'm, I'm in a very zen, relaxed place. Ah, um, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. excited. excited yeah, for this. of course. I mean, let's beautiful. jump into it then.
0: So, just please explain your role, the duties that you encompass, um, and and sort of what you do.
1: Sure, hundred percent. So, um, like you said, I'm I'm head of legal at at Root, and and maybe just to tell people a little bit about what Root does, and and yes. then I think it, it makes sense what I do, but. As Root, we are a tech company first, um, and what we do is we basically are building or helping insurers build the future of insurance. So yes. what does that mean? Um, we have a tech platform, and that allows insurers to build their products, digital products, using our tech, and to sell and, and administer those products. And I'll give you a kind of fun example of what that looks like. Yes. Um, because our, our product is a little bit complicated and it's sometimes difficult um explaining that to people. I think in the in the news fairly recently, your your listeners might have seen um Sunlam India and Easy Equities launched this insurance product on the Easy Equities platform. Yes, yes. Um and effectively what it does is you can go onto your Easy Equities profile and you can buy some life insurance, right? So so here's the thing. No one these days wants to deal with a human when you're buying anything online, right? And what our tech allowed Sunlam and Easy Equities to do was to sell that product on the tech platform, on the Easy Equities platform. Within a few minutes, you can buy insurance. You never have to speak to a human and, and that's it done so that's really what our business is helping insurers um do it's it's solving all the complex problems with insurance and really bringing insurance into the the future yeah my role as dude um is i think as a head of legal typically goes it, it covers most of those you know legal and compliance things yes um it's giving advice to the board and to exco it's you know negotiating customer contracts um it's the regulatory stuff that that everybody expects from a legal but i think in a nutshell really what it comes down to is there's just a lot of problem solving mm, mm. um and it's a lot of enabling the business to do what they need to do so yes. i often find like i'm unblocking things um removing barriers and and really just helping the business kind of move forward which i actually think is the most exciting part of that old
0: job. interesting so head of legal aka the corporate plumbers basically exactly. just I like that.
1: corporate plumbers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and and to get into the purpose of our conversation for today yeah. what what kind of matters or what type of instructions do you usually find yourself outsourcing to external counsel
1: yeah um look we're quite lucky so as far as startups go, I think we're quite unique in that we actually have a legal team. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the day-to-day stuff we we handle internally. Um, I've got a very strong um, uh, legal counsel in my team. a uh, name's Leanne. And and so we handle, as I say, most of the day-to-day things. It's really the specialist advice that we outsource. So, you know, the things you might expect like IP and patents and, and trademarks, that sort of thing, exchange control. Um we also because we, we operate in multiple jurisdictions, um, you know, I often work with UK council. Our global kind of headquarter company is also in the US. Mm-hmm. So we work with US council um out of out of San Francisco. And it's it's really, yeah, I would kind of summarize it as it's that speciality um you know, expertise and then also the jurisdictional expertise that we like tapping into mostly.
0: Okay. Okay. That's interesting. And I mean, I know you said you spoke in multiple, you work in multiple Mm. uh, jurisdictions and that. Um, Do you have any preference when it comes to like your minimum requirements that outside counsel should have? Is there any thought process that goes behind saying, okay, this is what my outside counsel has to look like or or Mm. in terms of the requirements and, and qualifications or experience and that kinds of things?
1: Oh, man, I'm getting flashbacks now to, to my time in-house when um, I'm sure most of the listeners who are at Law Firms will sympathize with, you know, filling in tender forms and applying to be on the panel of, <laughs> of large corporates and banks. Um, no, we don't really have any of that. I think for us, it's important to be flexible. Yes. So, um, you know, as and when a need arises, we'll loop in whoever we think has the best expertise. Mm. Um, look, let's, let's be honest, pricing obviously matters. Uh, so pricing and expertise are quite important, but I don't know, maybe, maybe it's worthwhile talking a little bit about the softer stuff. Yes. So, you know, the unspoken things. And, and I think for me, this is maybe just common, I think in business in general, these days, having someone that you can have a trusting relationship with, mm. is actually the most important things. Um, uh, it's the most important thing actually. So, yes. so when we're looking for counsel, I want to work with someone that I can have a little bit of fun with that I trust to give me solid advice, um, who's going to respond on time, who's going to be transparent about, you know, fees and, and billing. Um, and it really, like, makes an effort to get into the nuts and bolts of the business and understand, like, what it is that we're trying to do. Understand what our problems are, understand what our pain points are,
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and, and help us unlock some of that stuff. Um, I think that's the most important thing, really.
0: Okay. Okay. So it's not like, like you said, you don't have a panel or something that you, you go to or a pool of attorneys that you just deal with. It's as and when the need arises, basically.
1: Yeah, completely. Yeah. And, and of course, over time the relationship develops, right? So you have a preferred person that you go to for certain things because you've been working with them for, for a long period of time, right? That's the relationship point. Yeah. Um, but, but there's no kind of hard, you know, it's got to be a, a BE rated law firm or anything like yes. that. Um, I think that's, it's important for specifically for a startup like us to be flexible. Mm. Um, you don't want to be locked into to kind of an artificial. Oh yes. Um, okay. Yeah. Makes you no know, requirement like of course, that. Of
0: course. Yeah. Of course. And and um, what are some of the things you find challenging about dealing or working with with outside counsel at the moment?
1: Yeah. Um, oh, that's a. Oh,
0: we're about to start digging. <laughs>
1: it's, no, it's a, it's a. <laughs> no,
0: <I'm> joking.
1: <laughs> it's a it's a good question because I think. It, it speaks to the answer that I just gave, you know, to that earlier question. Mm. You need to have that relationship of trust. Mm. And I think there are things that outside lawyers sometimes lose sight of. Um, you know, something that erodes that trusting relationship is ultimately a bad thing. Yes. So the common ones, you know, w- without kind of listing a shopping list, uh, it's things like not being transparent around billing and invoicing. If we've agreed... You know, on a fee estimate, uh, it's important to tell the client before you reach that fee estimate that, you know, you're going to run over what you've said the math is going to cost. Um, things like not being responsive as well, It's those are common gripes, and I think it it grows across the board. And um, and then, you know, there's the more kind of minor things like KYC and, and onboarding. I will say this, I think South African law firms, we we tend to be a lot better at, having like a streamlined onboarding process compared to some of the the foreign council that I've worked with. Oh, that's um, interesting. If it takes you two weeks to fill out KYC and things, then like there's a problem.
0: <laughs> so you're finding that with the with the foreign jurisdictions, basically? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. And I
1: suspect that may have uh, something to do with why we're being grey-listed or, or have been grey-listed, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, conversation you have to, for another
0: day. I was going to say, because you have to navigate, basically, the balance of corporate and politics, and how it mm. all plays into that, especially if you're doing cross-border sort of work as well, right?
1: Completely. The, the cultural differences are, are quite stock i think sometimes so yeah. i find u.s council tend to be quite direct so so you'll get quite a direct answer and it'll be quick and it's and it's to the point and i actually find that's super helpful yes um, uk council and south africa council we tend to be quite similar so you'll get you know you'll get the statement and the facts and the reasoning for the advice that you get given um and and so it's it's Quite similar working with UK Council to South African Council. Uh, okay. um, yeah, it makes sense, obviously. Yeah. There. There's a lot in common, I think, there.
0: Yeah, of course, of course. And I know you said, um, you know, with regards to like the the fee estimate and the responsiveness, which is also very nice, um, uh, broad topics that I think are going to get picked up by a lot of our guests. Um, but in terms of from a startup perspective, is there anything that you um, sort of like to see as more startup friendly behavior as opposed to normal corporate culture behavior?
1: I think that's important. That's so important. Um, you've got to meet your clients where they are. Yes. So you can't if you're used to servicing big corporates. I, I think you can't apply the same approach for for a startup. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll give you one example. So so we we have this value in our company. Uh, it's we ship things fast, right? So mm. basically, what that means is we get things out into market quite quickly, and and that filters down to everything it filters down to legal finance and so on. So I generally don't have the luxury of taking a week to draft something. And then it's like the perfect draft before I give it to the board or or whatever it is. Okay. Um, And so what that means is we need to collaborate quite quickly. So we often Uh, will use, you know, Google docs or whatever, and we'll three, four people will be in a document at the same time working on different parts. And, you know, it's, it's quite a, it's quite a nice collaborative uh, collaborative exercise. What I find is is lawyers sometimes we tend to play document tennis. Yes. So you know the thing where no, someone real. sends you a word doc and you mark up your changes and it's deadline and then you'll
0: Or they forget to the deadline and mark up. they
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we've we've all worked with lawyers like that, right? Um and and then you send it across via email and that sits with the person for three, four days and then they add their markups and the deadline and then we send it back across mm-hmm. and it's another three, four days, and then we keep playing this document tennis and it's a month, two months before we we ever like settle on 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 the final draft. Yes. So I think, you know, being able to move quite quickly, being able to collaborate with with clients, it's it's maybe a uniquely startup thing. Yes. Um, but perhaps not. It's certainly something that I I value that you know, we're able to move quickly, and and we can just kind of like cut through all the all the nonsense, cut through the, all the nonsense, and yeah, you know, just get get straight to where we want to be, which is a, a final set of.
0: So you're saying you want your outside of. counsel to try and first, essentially, try and check where your tempo is, and then try to match that tempo with how your productivity is is being output to your you know either end users or clients or whatever the case may be.
1: I think so, and and I would say like as a rule of thumb, startups need to move fast because yes. you're 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 in a race to get to. Your business being profitable mm. um and so you don't really have time to spend weeks and months um negotiating something or making a decision really on on you know whether to enter into a new market or go in a certain direction where you you know where that direction now depends on your your legal advice so it's important that your counsel understands that mm. um and i actually find you know maybe let me mention this i find that lawyers that have been in ours before or that have been at startups before are like they just get that. So yes. um I'm gonna quote from Tequila Mockingbird because you never need a reason to quote from the killer mockingbird, <laughs> right? Um there's a line where, where Atticus Finch says to Scott, you should never judge someone until you've walked in their shoes, till you've kind of like lived in their skin and, and you really know what it's like to be in their position. And and I often really appreciate working with lawyers that get the startup vibe and, and they just, they've been there or they've advised those clients and, and they get those pressures that, you're under as you know either legal or legal in-house counsel. Yes, that makes a big difference.
0: Yeah, so it's not sort of just saying like okay if you're not in practice anymore you don't understand what's happening in the way we have to. It's more like a um, coming from a place of empathy basically of, of that position.
1: Empathy is exactly the word. 100 yeah. percent.
0: Yeah, okay, that's yeah. really interesting. And I mean, so when it comes to the responsiveness and and your responsiveness of your attorneys because of your quick turnaround times, obviously I'm assuming there's some play and reasonableness in there. But I know a lot of people have different. Understandings of what responsive is. So, I mean, for you guys, is it just as the need arises and to keep um, you consistently looped in with any developments? Or do you prefer your outside counsel to just let you know when there's something of big importance, when you need to make a decision about this, as opposed to giving you, you know, updates regularly?
1: That's such a good point. Um, I think we we misunderstand responsiveness sometimes as everything's super urgent, everything must be done right now. Um, I think certainly like I can only speak for myself, right? but um, having been both at, at a big law firm, having been on the receiving end of it sometimes, and then now also being the client sometimes, yeah. um, I think all you really want is just that if, if we've discussed the timeline and we've said we need an answer by X date, then let us know if that's not possible yeah. or let us know if there's going to be a delay or, or whatever it might be. And it's really just, it's about communication. Um, I think you're right. Like, not everything's always super urgent, and I think it's sometimes a bit unreasonable. Um, and probably, again, a topic for another day. Yeah. Probably contributes a lot to like the mental health struggles that that especially law firm lawyers um, face. You know, because you have this constant demand from clients that everything's always urgent. I, I don't think it is. I think it's a communication thing, and that's where that relationship again of of trust comes in. No. Let's have a conversation about. What's important? What's urgent?
0: Yeah, I was gonna say. So mm. it would actually be better to, as you coming onto a project, onto a project to someone like you, to just sit down and say these are the expectations with communication, these are the expectations with billing, these are the expectations with productivity, and then to sort of take it step by step and to just sort of feel each other out from there.
1: It's as simple as you know, sending an email and saying, "Hey, Jared, um, I promised I'd get you comments by end of tomorrow, but it's not looking like it. It's going to be." Another day later, yeah, and my response will be okay. Cool, thank
0: you. Yeah, at least now you know. <laughs> <laughs> now you know. No, and you,
1: and you can manage expectations internally. I think that's all it is. Yeah. Um, we we all we all have clients, even though we are in-house. Your clients are your board of directors, your exco, your um, team members that you work with. So mm,
0: interesting point. Yeah. So
1: you got you've got it as an external lawyer. You've got to help your in-house counsel manage expectations for their own clients. For
0: their own clients, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. I know when I was in practice also so, um, there was like, so the way our uh, seniors wanted the responsiveness versus the way the client wanted it, you sort of knew that, okay, these clients are on our level where if we say we're going to get back to you, if our promise is a day, then it's like every day they expect that thing. But you get those clients that are also very much like, we don't, like a day is not going to kill me in this Absolutely. sort of matter. So it's also like, we so but i mean like you say it's better to then have that conversation up front so that people know and to actually just be honest and say this is how we prefer this is what we can try and stick to and then we can always take it from there and develop the habits from there with the relationship
1: completely i mean it's it's the same like i don't think it's a law firm specific thing Mm. i think it's the same for anything where you're providing a service to a client Mm. um you just got to let the client know what's up like at the most simplistic terms, yeah. let the client know what's up, and they, they will never get upset with you for that.
0: And I wanted like, to ask also when it comes to um you dealing with your your counsel in uh, for instance in America in the yeah. UK as well, some of the stuff that you've seen that you maybe want to bring over that you'd want to see incorporated into you know the the, the way attorneys work here. Is, are there any are there any of those um, things that arise?
1: Um. Oh, that that's a great question I'm struggling to think of anything off, off the top of my mind okay um, no, no, it's
0: interesting.
1: I will say this I think lawyers um or the specifically the lawyers that I've worked with um in in those jurisdictions they've they've got a far kind of like focused sense of understanding what what our business is um so so there's a a law firm that we work with in, in the UK and and we needed some advice um, on, there was one regulatory question and and they really kind of got into the business and, and tried to unpack it. And um, they, before we'd even spoken to them, they'd like had a look at our customer terms and they went and looked at our website and, and they really like formed a view of what they understood our business to be before we actually even like had the consultation with them. Um, and, and I think that's cool. That's, you know, maybe not very really flashy to say, but I think that's maybe something that South African lawyers don't do enough. We expect we're going to rock up at that consultation and mm, the, the client's going mm. exactly. so client to explain. Exactly. Who are you? The what do 90%. you do? Yeah. Because I don't know, maybe maybe it's the thing that we, we still have a very, um, I don't want to use the word archaic, but. But lawyers sometimes get put on a no. You can business. use the word okay because it is that it's okay. But anyway, yeah, like like it's a very <laughs> it's a very honourable and prestigious thing to be the lawyer. It's like going to the doctor, you know, like <laughs> like your lawyer's there and, and okay, you've got to you've got to go in there and here's my problem and like please help me. Mm. Um, whereas whereas I think in, in the corporate space in the UK US maybe like it's more client centric because you you it's a big thing like okay clients coming to you now. Mm. Um I almost need to know what the client does before before I have the conversation with them.
0: Um And there was there was one other thing I was gonna ask in terms of when it comes to um the the outside counsel from for instance the UK or the US when they deal with you guys in in understanding the business and that, do you find them to then sort of, is it, is it that the advice becomes more aligned once they take those proactive steps? Do you feel more comfortable as as inside counsel going to a consult where they've prepared like that and then saying, okay, this feels like a much better fit? Um, or is it just the sense of them seeming like they know what they're doing that then reassures you?
1: No, it, it's it's the former. It's it's exactly that thing of I can just kind of say, hey, I don't need to give a lot of context because you already you understand, understand um, so, you know, here's the question. And then you get a one paragraph, one line answer say, saying, you know, oh, no, that's cool. Happy, you you guys can do that. Here's what you need to be aware of. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it seems fine. Go ahead. And um, just one
0: last one last question
1: from our side that also just popped up.
0: In terms of the amount of tech that you see your mm-hmm. outside counsel using overseas versus locally, do you see there's any kind of stark differences?
1: Do you see it improve the inf- efficiency in any ways? Um, we've had very limited exposure to anything that would need tech in, okay. in those countries if, if i'm being perfectly honest but I, I do think that there is more willingness in south africa generally to use tech um oh, in, okay. in, the, in the legal space so that's good uh, you know th- there's just more that that certainly i'm seeing in, in the very limited uh interactions that, that i've had with with those foreign counsel but um i've certainly seen things like what Briefco is doing um South African law firms are more willing to use AI to do due diligences and mm. and that sort of thing. Um, I think ChatGPT has been great because it's given the global legal industry a, like a heads up. Yes. Hey, we need to start getting on this tech today now. Mm. Um, so I think there's probably going to be a trend where people start embracing the tech a bit more. But my, my gut feel is there's probably, there's probably not that much difference, but even anything, the South African legal industry possibly um you know the ones that are focused on startups and and tech companies are a little bit ahead of
0: which is great maybe yeah.
1: where, where other law firms are I think
0: yeah. it's also I, I experienced this when I went to Uganda a lot is that mm. you kind of think when you go overseas people are always talking about where you come from as like this place of wow and yeah. oh my word this is how it should be and you're kind of looking at them like no man but we're not that either we're not ahead of you in some in some areas or we're not as great and amazing and as you think we are Mm. and so i think that a lot of that sort of sentiment comes in what you're saying in that we're always looking to america or to the uk to see that's where the standard is but you're saying actually um your local council are also kind of keeping that standard and actually elevating it a bit as well in terms of tech integration and trying to be more efficient in that sense
1: 100 do you know that actually goes beyond just law I, i think that that's one definitely one instance where we can see it but the biggest mistake we make as South Africans is we undersell ourselves and we think we, you know, we're this backwater country. And I know obviously Donald Trump called us, yeah, yeah, he, he called us that word, which I won't mention on the <laughs> podcast. But, um, like, like that's the biggest mistake we make is we undervalue how good we are. Um, we're seeing it now with Root where we go and pitch our solution to, um, insurers in the UK and, and other countries. Our tech is better than anything that's they've seen in those markets right and they prefer using our tech they prefer working with our people like south africa has so much to offer our people have so much to offer and like we sell ourselves short so much and i, I honestly like i, I don't want to be idealistic about it but like we really really need to um be a lot more optimistic about the stuff that yeah. we bring to to the world um like i say that goes beyond law but law is definitely one instance of um of where we shouldn't we shouldn't um Count ourselves, you know, um, as being inferior to, to any other jurisdiction out there.
0: Brilliant. Yeah. Jared, thank you again for joining us. Thanks, Jared.